Hey everyone, Pastor Matt here. You are listening to the official podcast of the Evangelical Free Church of Canton. Our prayer is that the Word of God would both transform you and equip you to live a life unleashed for the glory of God. Our desire is that this content would not be a substitute for your regular gathering with other brothers and sisters in Christ. Instead, that it would be a supplemental boost to encourage you as you seek to follow Jesus. Thanks for listening. Now grab your Bible and let's jump into Scripture together. My name is Brandon Theobald, and um, I'm the youth pastor here at the church, and I've been here for a long time. Um, I've been here for 25 years, and I don't say that out of pride, but I say that because I feel as a person that's very blessed um, by you, many of you. Um, Some of you may remember me. When I first showed up at this church, uh, Janelle and I, just as a young couple, Janelle was pregnant with our first kid, and um, I remember being on the stage in front of some of you, because you were here back then, and thinking, I only feel like I'm just a carpenter. I don't feel special in any way, better than any of you, and uh, I guess I want to say today I still feel that same way. I don't feel any better than you or greater than you, but just feel as though I'm a brother um, walking alongside of you, brothers and sisters in Christ. And uh, I just feel blessed, blessed by the Lord. I'm going to see if I can get this thing to work. I thought many of you may not know my family because sometimes we don't sit even in the same spot. We might be sitting with different people and uh, my kids have grown up and some of them are gone. Uh, their own way. So this is our family. Um, on the right is my daughter Karen. On the far left is my son Spencer. They're the two that are married now. And then everyone in between is just uh, loving Jesus and <laughs> learning more about him. And some of them are still in our home and some of them are, are out. But um, we're just a normal family like you. Uh, needy and broken and uh we need God's love for us. That song that we sang, those songs and the, the prayer time. I hope that you've experienced that God loves you. And um, when I was a young kid in Florida, I lived in Florida from the time I was 8 years old to 12 years old. My dad got laid off from Caterpillar. He said, let's get out of this freezing place. We went to Florida. We went to Naples, Florida. It's the land of the rich people. We were the poor people among the rich. I don't know why, but that's where we went. <clears throat> Um, in Florida is where I met Jesus as my savior. It's where my parents got real with the Lord, understood that they had needs and the Lord came and showed up and showed his love to us through some people, through a church family. And, um, one thing I saw through that church, it's made a difference in my heart and life is I saw there was needy people down and outers. In Florida, I've I, I told a guy around here, he didn't have a home, kind of was going from place to place. I'm like, man, if you're going to live that way, just go to Florida. It's warmer. <laughs> All right. And I've met a lot of those people in Florida when I was a kid. What is the impact of a kid walking into the woods and you see, we call them bums. All right. You see the bums and you see these people who are down and out. What is the impact of a kid who witnesses that? And then sees the church who says, we're going to minister to those people. We're going to reach out to them. 
And um, it made a difference and an impact in my life because I saw, hey, we're not going to look at people based on their outside, but we're going to love them. We're going to know that we're all needy. We all are needy. And um, it began to show me and show others around, I think, that we, we all have a great need of Jesus. And we saw God work in those, we called it bum ministry, all right? We, we saw God work in the bum ministry in a great way. And some of them people, rather than just remain out in the woods and do their thing, started walking in the doors of the church. And they didn't walk in the doors of the church all dressed up, looking amazing. All right. But we loved them anyways. And uh, I just say this morning that ministry had an impact on my life just by watching it as a kid. And today, I hope that you realize God loves you. But he doesn't love you because you're awesome. He chose to love you and we're desperately needy. And I don't know if you've ever felt super guilty over sin, shame, as we sang in that song. Just broken over the, the wrongness of your life, the things that are not good in your life. But it takes a moment of getting to that point where you're willing to say, God, I, I have done wrong and I am needy. And at that moment, it's like God's love just pours out on you and you get to experience the forgiveness and the redemption, um, the blessings that God has to offer in your life. So... I hope this morning, out of knowing that God loves you, you will be compelled and propelled. And um, if you guys got the little sermon note thing that maybe the ushers handed to you, um, it says on there that a heart transformed is what the title of the message is this morning. Well, I changed it. All right, so you can scratch that out. (laughs) Uh, uh, A heart transformed is kind of what I just talked about, but... Uh, this morning, we're going to go with, with the message of compelled and propelled. So if you want to scratch that out and change it, you can. Compelled and propelled. Um, Matt's been doing a series on discipleship. Before I go to that, I just want to say a, a prayer here. Father God, help the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. And God, I am just a spokesman. I am just a simple carpenter, just as, in a sense like Jesus was a simple carpenter, but you used him in a great way. And I pray, God, that you'd use me in a great way to bring your word this morning. And I love you, Lord. And I just thank you for loving me and loving us and choosing to redeem us and to save us. God, I thank you for last night and just the message that was brought. And um, Lord, I pray that we would be thinking about that still, about what it means to really live out being a disciple, a follower, a Christian of you. God, I pray that your word would teach us this morning and would motivate us in Jesus' name. Amen. So Matt's been teaching us a little bit about disciple making. What does this disciple making look like? And it's this whole formula here. If you haven't been with us, bear with us. It's this formula of TW plus K4 times D3 equals disciples who make disciples. Um, Rich Kraft was a guy who was a pastor here for a while. And he would say stuff like this, like uh, Huggies. Huggies, what do they do? Huggies makes what? Diapers. All right. Uh, maybe Amarin. Amarin provides electricity, gas. Okay. And then we could look at our lives and go, the church. The church, what do they make? 
Disciples, yes, that's what our lives should be about, is making disciples and glorifying God. And so the TW plus four, or K plus K4 is where we're at. TW means uh, time with, the Greek word is the diatribo, did I say that right, Nat? Diatribo. Uh, time with, that's where you spend time with people. You spend time with people all the time, this group of people and that group of people. But now we're going to add K4 to it. We're going to be intentional and purposeful in our time, not just having fun together. We're going to take it to a new level uh, because making disciples of Jesus Christ takes this extra level. And last week, Matt really brought the studying scripture to know God. And uh, I think it's kind of phenomenal, pretty simple actually, to say if we are Christians, believers in Jesus Christ, not only should we read the Bible for ourselves, but we should actually read and study the Bible together. Yeah, we should do that. Do we do that? We should do that. And I think I think it's encouraging that we I see groups that do are doing that within this church. That's exciting. And that's awesome. And then we should be prayerful. Um, we should be praying together. And I like to think of it as prayerful dependence. That if we're discipling someone, we need to teach them this whole life of a prayerful dependence. I'm depending upon the Lord throughout my life. Praying Throughout everything in my life. There needs to be a prayerful dependence. I'm in prayer all the time. Constantly. With other people. And by myself. Both need to happen. Okay. So those two things uh, are important. And then this morning. Being loved extravagantly in order to overflow with love. Okay. That's, that, that's the next one. That as you're discipling someone. That there should be this idea that we are. Understanding God's great love for me. God loves me. He loves me deeply. I hope you felt that this morning as we were singing to the Lord and thanking Him for His love. But that love is not just to be like, oh yeah, God, just give it to me. Give it to me. But it should be like, wow, Lord, you love me? You love me? If you love me, then I need to love them. And that one. And that that love would overflow and be poured out. That you would understand the great love that God has for you. That he's willing to forgive you of your sins. Okay? And that that love would pour out to other people. And then the last one, when you're discipling someone, you want to add these, this Kavanaugh, this intentionality. That, that we want to live a worship-filled life. That all of life is about worshiping him. We can say it a different way. That all of life is about bringing glory to him. Honoring him in everything that I think, say, do. It's about living for Jesus. When I go to work, I live for him. When I go and play, I live for him. Um, I hope to give some examples of that. And the scriptures, so this is kind of the stuff that Matt's been bringing to us because it's our desire that we would see disciples making more disciples. That's what we would love to see. Um, one, one other thing. I showed you the picture of my family. And we have eight kids. I just got word this morning from, not from my wife, all right, not from my wife. <laughs> that would be funny. <laughs> Jesus, no. Be fruitful and multiply. The best way to make disciples, all right? I'd better be quiet. All right. Um, I got word this morning from Janelle's family. So Janelle's mom and dad had eight kids. All right. My goal was to stay under eight. We had eight. All right. Um, Janelle's family has eight kids. And this morning we got a text to the family group chat 
that one of the youngest grandkids and, and, and his dad's talking to him. The kid can't even talk. But he's Google and Gaga and all this stuff. Sitting up trying to eat. And we got word that that family's gonna have another kid. And so there's like, I don't even know, I've lost count. There's like 55, 56 in the family. Right? So I'm hoping someday that the family of 10 explodes maybe to be 55. You know, that would be, that would be awesome. Disciples making disciples. There's more than one way to make them, alright? <laughs> but it needs to be intentional. It needs to be intentional. And we need to involve these things. And I remember being a young dad and God just smacked me one day and said, just read the Bible with your family. It doesn't have to be hard. You don't have to preach to them. You don't have to explain the whole passage. Just study it and read it. I was like, got it. Got it, Lord. I got it. So we need to be intentional. This morning I want us to turn to a passage of Scripture. That's on my heart regarding this whole being loved and then overflowing with love and then a worship filled life is second Corinthians chapter five. When Matt said, Brandon, would you like to preach this? I said, sure, I'll preach this. And I said, I told him, well, this is the passage that really came to me when you said what the kind of the, the theme or message is about. This is the passage that really came to my heart and uh, the one that I want us to read. Um, if you're reading a pew Bible, it's page 1148, 1148. The pew Bible is ESV. I read NIV, so it might read a little different, all right? Um, and since it's NIV, I went ahead and put it on the screen for you in case you needed that. So here we go. Second Corinthians five fourteen through 21. For Christ's love compels us... Because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. All this is from God. Who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Not counting men's sins against them. I hope you see God loves you right there. Not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for that so that we might become the righteousness of God. All right, I'm going to go back. I want to go through this passage again and kind of talk about it, but I wanted to read it first. So for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all. I want you to know that Paul wrote this to the Corinthians and Paul is backing up his ministry because there's people who've come in to the to the church of Corinth and kind of maybe badmouthed Paul a little bit. And Paul's in the middle of going through kind of telling the Corinthians where his heart is. This passage is a real passage of Paul's heart being poured out of his motivation of who he is and why he has 
um, shared what he shared with the Corinthians. That's what that's what this is. It's a it's a it's a heart passage that he's bringing out. My prayer is that it would be your heart as well. And it says here, Paul says, for Christ's love compels us. Um, in ESV, it says controls us. I really like the word compels us because that word is like, I am so moved and motivated. And what moves and motivates me is not fear. What moves and motivate me, motivates me is not greed. But what moves and motivates me is the love that God had for me. Now, do you guys know Paul? Paul was a guy who was named Saul and he was against the church. He was against anyone who followed Christ. And he was involved in the murder of these people, involved in the imprisonment of these people. He was a dude who was against Jesus. And so when he says, for Christ's love compels me, because he had a moment where he met Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, and he realized, wow, I've been a bad dude. And I have not been on his team. And I am needy. And he still chose to reach into my life and forgive me and make me his own. Not only did he make me his own and call me his child, but he gave me a mission. And he said, Paul, I'm going to use you. I'm going to use your boldness. And I'm going to use you to go proclaim me, Jesus, to the Gentile people. All right, so Paul's... Paul says here, it's the love of Christ that compels us, us being him and Timothy, because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. Now, see, Paul did not understand this 100 percent, but now he's come to the point, Saul, he's being Saul, and now he's come to the point where now he's convinced. I am convinced that what Jesus did for me was was for me and it was for what God required, that sin requires death. And... Uh, I am convinced that it's the truth. And in saying that, I am convinced that one died, and that being Jesus, and therefore all died. So if we are in Christ, it's like we die to ourselves. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. You know what I see that verse saying? That they live a worship-filled life. That he's compelled by God, by Jesus' love, And as a result, the life I live, I no longer live for myself, but I live for Jesus, the one who died and rose again for me. That's who I live for. That is a worship-filled life. Everything about my life is I'm going to live it for him, no longer for myself. And then Paul goes on and he says, so from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Okay, so Paul, if you look at Acts, everybody real quick, kind of hold your finger here, but look at Acts chapter 26, Acts 26, verse 9. Acts 26, verse 9 through 11. If you look at verse 2, just really quick, he says, King Agrippa, I consider myself fortunate to stand before you today as I make my defense against the accusations of the Jews, and especially so because you are well acquainted with all the Jewish customs and controversies. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. And so Paul is about to explain how he came to faith in Jesus here, uh, to King Agrippa. And we get to 9, verse 9. He says, I too was convinced... 
that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that is just what I did at Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priests, I put many of the saints in prison. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time, I went from synagogue to another to have them punished. And I tried to force them to blaspheme. In my obsession against them, I even went to foreign cities to persecute them. So Paul, go back to Second Corinthians. So Paul viewed Jesus as one who was against God. Paul viewed Jesus as one who deserved his death on the cross because that guy's a blasphemer. That's how Paul used to view Jesus. But then his life was changed and he realized the truth. He used to be convinced of that because that's what it said in that word that he was convinced of this. But now he says, I'm now convinced that one died for all. And that he rose again too. But that love that he had changed his life. But he doesn't regard anyone from a worldly point of view anymore. And I just want to show you this. You see that picture up there. These are a couple of my friends. I asked this guy on the right. His name's Tom. If you got, some of you may have met him. He's actually come to our church quite a few times. Tom's a plaster. And I met him. I said, Tom, um, would you plaster this house for me? And he, he came, he gave me a great price, and he came and plastered the house for me, and he brought um, this other guy and another, two other guys with him. Um, the guy on the left, his name's Jason, and Jason showed up before Tom. He was the first one on the job, so I meet him there. I see this guy. He's got quite a few tattoos going on. He brings out a smoke, and I'm thinking, construction. Look at this guy. Now, this is what I'm thinking in my head. Whoa. And uh, things are going through my head like that. And I go up to him, meet him. I've never met this guy before. Hey, I'm Brandon. I own the house. I, are you here to plaster? Yeah, I'm here to plaster. And it was within five minutes, you guys. You know who this guy was talking about? Jesus. <laughs> he was telling me about Jesus. All right? He was telling me how Jesus changed his life. And I was just like, wow. How he had done time in prison. He had had a messed up life, still struggles with some things, (laughs) some addictions, you know, but he was on fire for Jesus. And I was like, I love this guy. (laughs) And not only that, I got video of this. I just, I decided not to show the video, but I got video of this because I just couldn't believe it. At about noontime, I walk into that house and there's worship music on a construction site. Like, I don't ever hear worship music on a construction site. And that dude right there in the red shirt, that's, that's him, like, with the trowel and all the stuff in his hand, on his stilts. He's on stilts right there. Doing the ceiling and rocking to this music, singing as loud as he could to Jesus. And at one moment in the picture, I, I should have showed you the video, but he's like dancing on his, <laughs> on his stilts. But the moment I saw this guy, all these things came to my head. The things of the world, you know? The things of, oh man, this guy. Oh man, people in construction. I got in construction because I'm thinking, them boys need Jesus and maybe God can use me. All right? Um, Anyways, that's what came to my head. And then to go, I don't view this guy that way anymore. I view this guy, he was more passionate about Jesus on that very moment that, that morning than I was. And he was challenging me. And so I was very grateful. So when it says here, Paul says, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. 
Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if Jason is in Christ, he is a new creation. And the old is gone. And the new has come. You know, Jason's life's not perfect. But he's in process of becoming more like Jesus, just like me. I'm in process of becoming more like Jesus. I'm not perfect either. All right? So I regard no one from a worldly point of view. I think it's real important for us that when we have been compelled by the love of Christ, that Christ's love pours out in my life so much. And as I'm working with a disciple, a friend, hey, we need to love just like Jesus loved us. We need to talk about that. And then we need to go out and serve people. And we need to see these people not as this label or that label, but we need to see people. It doesn't matter if they're free or if they're a slave, if they're rich or they're poor, if they're Jews or they're Greeks. And that's how Paul would phrase it. For us, it would be, it doesn't matter if they're rich or they're poor, they're black, they're white. Um, They got it together. They don't have it together. That when I see people, here's what I see. I see a person who either knows Jesus or they need to know Jesus. And I'm going to love them to Jesus because Jesus loved me. And I'm going to allow his love to pour out of me. All right. So when we're discipling with one another, we need to help each other in that. That God loves us so much that we need to be loving people. How do we love people? You can do that in all kinds of ways. Serve people, pray for people, encourage people, come alongside of them and comfort people. There's, you write a card to people. There's so many ways that you can demonstrate love to people. But we should be about that. Let's keep reading. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. All these blessings and all this Jesus did this for us and loves us. All this is from God. Who reconciled us. Do you know what reconciled is? Reconciled is we once were enemies and now we're reconciled. We're friends. Okay? He reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. So we've been compelled, and now I want to say we've been propelled, sent out, pushed, driven. That's propelled. We've been propelled with this message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I want us to understand that we are his ambassadors. Is it on this one? We are his ambassadors. An ambassador is one who is sent. Um, We are a representative. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are a representative um, for the Lord Jesus. If you claim to be a disciple or a follower of his, you carry his name. I think it's really important that you honor his name when you go out and live in this life. You know, I used to have a hat that had the fish on it, you know, symbol of I'm a Christian kind of thing. 
And I remember wearing that hat, and that was always a reminder to me. You are advertising that you're a Christian. So the words that you say, they better show it. And the actions, they better show it too. Because people are watching. And I'm his representative. He is the one that I live for, which means I worship him. Okay? So, I need to be a good representation out into this world. And Paul... Man, he's, he's bringing, bringing the heat here. I've been so compelled by God's love that I'm going to go be, I'm going to be an ambassador. God's given me the message of reconciliation and the ministry. What is the message of reconciliation? It's the gospel. It's the good news. And we need to be sharing that good news all the time. And it, I can just make it real simple. The good news is this. Jesus died and on the third day he rose again. That is the good news. We must receive that good news, believe that good news, and choose to follow Jesus. And you will be saved, the Bible teaches us. And he's called us to go be messengers. Um, I'm really excited about some things that are happening in youth ministry. Where we have some students sharing with other students. And inviting them students to be part of even Bible study. And I'm like, this is awesome. I want to see them making disciples. And I believe that that's the heart that God's given me, is to pour into teenagers so that they will begin to pour into others and see disciples making disciples. And so I'm excited to see Ellie. Ellie, my daughter, is one of them who she's been inviting recently, some girls in the junior high, to uh, read the Bible and study it with her. And uh, that's, that's awesome. That encourages me. How can we actually live out being an ambassador of Christ, bringing the message of reconciliation? Uh, well, first of all, just know it's not about doing something. It's just about experiencing God's love. And then as you experience his love, you're going to want to be a part of this. And then Paul was convinced, he was persuaded that the gospel was the truth. And I say that because I say, have you been persuaded? Are you convinced? Have you chosen to receive Christ as your personal savior? And say, Lord, I want to live for you. I want to live a worship-filled life, 100% for you. That's what I want. And Lord, when I, when, I, when I fail, I'm sorry, forgive me. Because I want to continue to live my life for you. <clears throat> as far as putting things into actions, we need to recognize the people that we are spending time with in these different areas. Recognize the people that we spend time with, that God has placed in our sphere of influence, and then we need to apply these three things. Prayer, care, and share. Prayer, care, and share. We're not going to turn to those verses. You can write those down and read them on your own at another time. But uh, this is an idea. The picture on the right, the, the one in the white, is my daughter, Karen. She got married this past June. And uh, these girls are part of her sphere of influence, I'll say. And um, one of them is her cousin, and the others are her friends, whether it be from this church or from volleyball. She played on the volleyball team. And I remember in our lives, we are involved in sports. How many of you are involved in your kids' sports or grandkids' sports? Okay. There's quite a few of you. Um, one thing that we have done with our kids is you go to these sporting events and they hand you this program thing. What's on that program? What's that? The roster. 
It tells you every name of the kids who's on that team and then the kids who are on the other team. Um, I remember, I, don't, I, don't, I think it was with Connor we did this, that we took those names and we started praying for those kids who were on that team. We started bringing them to the Lord, saying, Lord, we pray for this girl, that girl, pray for her family. And we prayed together for them. And that's something real simple that you can live out with your kids. Get to know, pray for them, and then get to know these families. Another thing Janelle and I have done, I coach soccer. When I coach soccer, it's not just about the kids. I want to love these kids. But you know what? They have families. Let's start getting to know who their parents are. And now let's start praying for their parents. So we pray for the kids. We pray for the parents. All right? Then care. Another thing that you can do is begin to care. God's called you to be an ambassador for him. So you need to be praying for people. And then you need to care for people. Care is basically love. As you have been loved, go and demonstrate love to others. Again, that can be done in many, 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 many different ways. Maybe there's someone you've been praying for, but you've never taken an action to demonstrate love to them. What's something that you can do today or this week that you could go the next step and show love to them to begin this process of making a disciple? All right? Think about that. And then thirdly is to share. And share is to bring the message of reconciliation. That Jesus has died and rose again. So uh, I was on the soccer team. I'm coaching these kids. I'm praying for these kids. And during one practice at the YMCA, I will always do this through the season. I will say, what does YMCA stand for? Does anybody know? Young Men's Christian Association. And then we talk about that. What does that mean? Christian. And then we'll, we'll discuss that. And generally, I'll have one of my kids or something or another kid in there from the church, and they will bring up what it means to be a Christian. And we talk about that. Um, there was this girl. Just, just to, I'm just going to give her a new name, all right? I'll just call her uh, Betty. There's this girl, Betty, and she was on the team, and I told her, I shared with her this story about being Christian YMCA. You're on my soccer team. And uh, we prayed for her. There are some of you in this church sitting here right now that you prayed for her family. And you had been talking to her family because you work with her family. You may not know who it is. That's okay. But I want you to know today, this is a few years later, today she's now involved in the youth ministry. She's coming. She got a Bible this year and she's reading it. She's making these choices on her own outside of even her family. And she's studying the Bible with some others. And I'm going, thank you, Lord, that we prayed. We tried to show a little bit of love and care. Not just me, but some of you did. All right. And we've shared the good news of Jesus. I think Betty believes in Jesus and loves, and loves Jesus. I think that's where she's at today. Um, that's yet to be seen. And uh, I think she'll get baptized soon. And then you'll hear her story from her and that'll be awesome. Um, today I just want to encourage you that the Lord Jesus Christ loves you. He loves you so much that he wants you to be compelled by his love that moves you into action motivates you 
and then propels you out to go and make disciples. All right? Right here in this community. Right here, because this is where we are. So if you don't feel worthy, hey, I was just a young guy standing up on the stage 25 years ago going, I just feel like a simple carpenter. I don't feel like anything great. I don't feel like anything amazing. And God's the one who said, if you're willing to be used, I will use you. So God can use you too. God, I pray that you would open the doors of opportunity for us. Worship team, you can come on. God, I pray that you open these doors of opportunity for us to demonstrate love this week to people that are in our sphere of influence. God, continue to remind us to be praying for people. And God, when we pray, to pray with faith, believing that you're going to do something. God, give us the boldness to share the good news. And it doesn't have to be hard, Lord. Do you know that Jesus died for you? Do you know that he loves you? Do you know you're, you need a Savior, Lord? Help us to share these words. And to share that eternal life is available because Jesus rose again. Help us to be faithful. Help us to be good ambassadors, Lord, for you in this world. Lord, I'm thankful for this church and I'm thankful for the culture that's in this church. That there are a lot of people who are wanting to love others and pray and care. I thank you for how this church has shown love to its own people. And your word tells us to do that. That they will know we are your disciples if we love one another. And God, this past year, this church has given financially so much because they care. And I thank you, God, for that. I pray, Lord, that we would see it more and more that this church is loving one another. And then stepping outside and and, and loving the people that come across our paths. love you, Lord. Thanks for loving us in Jesus' name.